This is the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast with Trevor Monaghan and Clive Jones. In this series, we will make fun of each other and share some of our self proclaimed wisdom about understanding what your business is worth now, how to make it worth more, and how to get it ready for sale. Welcome back, listeners, to our Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast. Uh, it's good to have you back. This is our second episode. In the last episode, we covered off on some, some generalities, I guess you call it, about um, business valuations and getting your business ready for sale. And, uh, and over the next series of um, weeks and months, we're going to continue to cover off more and more topics um, to get to a point where you know the average person, having listened to these series of podcasts, can have their head around what's involved in getting their business ready for sale and hopefully pick up some some specific advice along the way about um, things they should be doing. Um, I guess it's a good time to talk about who we are. Uh, in case you haven't listened to the first podcast, I'm Trevor Monaghan. I own a, an accounting firm called Climax Business Strategies. It operates out of Newcastle in, in Australia and we service clients all around Australia. And I'm going to try and uh, get a word in every now and again. That's, I'm Clive Jones. So I'm a business coach and uh, working in the same region as Trevor. So yeah, you didn't, welcome, everyone. You didn't put your hand up there, Clive. I'm very disappointed with that. <laughs> every every good business coach should have to put their hand up before they speak, I reckon. I'm just going to have to have a signal, Trevor. I think I might just butt in or maybe I'll have a little bell or something. But, uh... Okay. So if, is everyone okay with me giving Clive in, in, uh, permission to interrupt me? Only if only if it goes two ways. How's that sound? You know, Clive, people are already asking us a lot while we've called this thing sellmybusinessin10weeks.com. And it's it's not because we're professing that everyone should be selling their business in a 10-week period. Um, you know, we started this thing because uh, both of us were sick of coming across situations where um, people were really just going and listing their business for sale at the point where they wanted to sell it and they weren't putting any effort into any kind of process or and even worse understanding who a buyer might be and and what they need to see in in your business to actually spend some money on it i think the trevor the the, the real reason is people actually don't know where to start when it's it's a it's a it's a new area to them and uh, there's just yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of mystique to a lot of people you know what does it all mean how do we work it all out and uh, where do i start yeah, and I guess we're just trying to make all of our crocodile parts of our brains, uh, you know, we like to put things into bite-sized chunks in, in, so we can put things into context. So, you know, what we do um, in our own lives with our own clients is we'll have something like a 10-week process where we would take our clients through, you know, 10 large milestone steps in getting your business ready for sale. So that's, that's what really, really what we're talking about is what are those 10 big things that you need to be doing between now and even thinking about offering your business to someone to buy. And what I find with a lot of my clients that I take on, uh, those, uh, you know, just one of those steps might actually create a, a, a chunk of uh, work that takes a lot more than 10 weeks to actually put it in place so you're ready to sell your business. Yeah, but the message is it's not something where you just go, right, hand your keys over to a business broker necessarily, even though that, you know, that might work for some people. For most people it won't. And uh, you know there is a process behind it. Uh, we will be releasing some more information later on about some products that we'll have where you can actually get access to some of our templates and and um, some of our learnings on that stuff. Uh, I should should highlight too, Trevor, that uh, a lot of what we're talking about. You might not be thinking of selling your business. You might be looking at making it more attractive to an investor so you can actually expand the business or. Uh, yeah, branch out into different areas. So you need to raise some some capital. The the whole 
package still goes towards building your business into a valuable proposition and exciting entity to somebody else to take on. And that's a good point. If you're going to the bank to get an increase in your overdraft, you're selling your business to them. They are effectively buying a stake in your business. They're, they're going through a similar process that, that a buyer would to work out whether you're making profits, whether you know what the risks are, and whether they're going to get their, their return on investment that they're, they're hoping to get out of it. Um, so on today's podcast, we're going to basically, we're going to introduce you to some of the bonuses that we're giving away for absolutely free to our, you know, our loyal listeners through joining our, our subscription list here. We'll talk about them later on, but there's a couple of bonuses. I'm giving one away and uh, Clive's also giving one away. And we're going to go through some basic business valuation concepts. In the last episode, we did promise that we would go through an example of a business valuation. Now, we're not going to go to great depths into this particular business valuation. We just really want to get your your crocodile brain starting to think about um, the processes in a way that you need to start thinking about it. And that, that's all I'm going to commit to here, Clive. And I'm just going to interrupt every now and again, Trevor, because you're going to start talking jargon to everyone, and I just know it. So go for it. Let's, let's get into it. <laughs> all right. So, you know, Clive's role here is to just tell me to shut, shut the hell up if I'm going too deep and uh, if Clive doesn't think that the average business owner would understand what I'm saying, which is probably uh, every second word's gonna, we're gonna run into that problem. So you'll have to give me some leniency there. So I'm gonna start by talking about what a business valuation isn't. Um, and again, we're doing this to, we're doing this whole series of podcasts to stop people making, you know, doing stupid things basically, stopping them not thinking about certain things a certain way, which is a stupid thing. Um, going and making a rash decision to go and list your business or offer it to someone without having a process behind that, that's a stupid thing. So, you know, the most value I can give people today is what a business valuation isn't and therefore what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and from that, we'll then go into what you should be doing. That sound fair? Sounds good to me. So what isn't a valuation? Okay, now the, the big one is a valuation isn't anything to do with a rule of thumb. Okay, any... In my line of line of work as a chartered accountant, look, I value a lot of businesses from both sides. Um, I have a lot of people coming to me, um, unfortunately saying, I've just bought this business for X. Was it worth it or not? Uh, probably the wrong time to be talking to me. Um, and I would go down the track of a conversation about, well, I just spend that kind of money and it would go down. We know that's, you know, I'd looked at other businesses in the industry uh, or the broker had shown me some recent sales um, or I went and talked to someone else that had sold in that industry, which are, you know, in isolation or fairly valid things to say. So you can't sort of uh, just look at the broker listings or the listings in the newspaper and say, well, there's a whole bunch of takeaway shops here um, for these sort of prices and I think mine should be worth that figure. Look, Clive, if, if your business was exactly the same as other, those other businesses in every way, so you had the exact same business name, you had the exact same location, you had the exact same ability to produce whatever goods are that you or services you're producing, if you had the exact same people managing the thing, um, if you had the exact same market in the exact same market conditions, you had the exact same amount of money behind you to resource the business, if all those things are equal, and we make the assumption that the person, the people buying and selling this last business did it exactly right, then given all those factors lining up, you know the, the planets aligning, then absolutely, definitely, we can use those things as recent sales. But yeah. there's a few, there's a, is a few there's holes. A few variables. There's there. a few variables there that, in a few holes, that, that physically can't be plugged. So, um, and it, you know, it's it's not like the real estate industry where we can make assumptions around, you know, the house next door. Yeah, and it's, and you know, if you're 
if you're buying commercial real estate, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a commercial real estate transaction, those things are generally valued um, based on rent returns, which is different. So you've got to understand this. If you're buying a residential property, you look at recent sales. You look at what is the capital growth potential in this area. If you're buying a commercial property, and, and you know, for rental properties, you might take into account the rent, but it's not the, the sole thing. When you're looking at commercial properties, um, you look at a valuation report that a proper commercial valuer has done, he's valuing it based on multiples of rent returns. So, and that's not a perfect method either, but at least they're taking into account, they're looking at what kind of profit, or at least what kind of income is this thing going to make? Return on investment. Return on investment, exactly right. So they don't necessarily care what the thing next door sold for. They're looking at someone, the new person coming in, parking themselves in that investment and getting a certain amount of return for their, for their risk. So, and, and that's what business valuation is about. It's a really trying to find out for any given buyer what kind of return are they going to get now? So let's let's look, Trevor, at what's included in evaluation. Just just in general, what what do people put in it? You know, so we're looking. There's there's two big things. We're looking at financial return. Okay, and I guess well, we're looking at returns. So financial returns part of that. As a business coach, you'd know that people aren't buying businesses just on financial return. Definitely, yeah. There's uh, there's always the emotion involved, and people um, will get all uh, excited about it business potential but uh, when they get down to the the nuts and bolts of it they'll be looking at the money they'll be looking at uh, all the numbers even if uh, they haven't initially thought of it in the first place they'll uh, as soon as they go to their accountant or their bank and that sort of thing for advice they'll realize that they need to have all the numbers adding up and so that they get the uh, the the return on investment that they're looking for okay, so, so we're looking at some kind of return so some kind of benefit whether that's financial or non-financial. And again, it has to be underpinned by financial uh, at some point there in the, in the conversation. And then secondly, they're looking at... The risk. The risk. They're looking at what's the chances of me buying this mm. thing and it turning into a dog tomorrow yeah. and, and losing my capital and, and not getting any return. So, you know, there's obviously two parts of the return then, isn't there? You need to make sure it's going to keep paying you profits. Mm-hmm. And how, how, is, how easy is it for me to take over the business and carry on running? And, and what's the likeliness... Uh, or otherwise, of me getting my money back mm-hmm. if I decide to shut it down and sell the assets, or if yes, I decide this to return of investment as well as yes. on investment. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at you know, and there's a lot of complex theories in there. We won't go into around payback periods and that kind of stuff. But we need to get back basically an ongoing return, and we need to get back our money if at some time we you know in the future we want to pass it on. So I promised in the last podcast that we would go through some examples. So. Um, the way I'm going to preface this is that uh, I'm going to go through some numbers here. So if you're not turned on by the numbers, bear with me. At the end of the day, if you have a business, you have a responsibility to understand numbers at some level. It is not enough to say, I don't need to know about numbers. I've, I've got an accountant or I've got a business coach. Uh, that is a massive cop-out. No one has ever made money with that attitude. Um, it's up to you to learn enough to keep yourself out of trouble with the numbers so at least you can see when things are going well or not going well. So and I will. This, I will say this that. is potentially the biggest sale you make. Yeah, no, if, you know, if you're a car dealer and you every now and then sell a car and jump up a down because you sold a brand new thirty thousand dollar car, you know, times that by a hundred. That's that's the kind of emphasis and stress and pleasure that you can get out of selling your business and you need to. So this is, this is pretty serious. So if if you've never been turned on by numbers before, you know, it's probably about time you start. 
Uh, but having said that, you don't need to be an accountant to go through any of the stuff that we're going through today. And and, and I know the numbers that uh, Trevor's going to take you through in this exercise, and there's some pretty powerful lessons to be learned here. So, so the, the first thing I would recommend, it's not compulsory, but if you go to our site, um, you'll be able to download a one-page snapshot of the numbers that I'm going through now. So people that are a little bit more visual, you might want to go and download that uh, that one pager and just have it, on the, have it on the screen in front of you while you're listening. Or if you're at work, you might want to print, print it out or however you want to do it. Um, if you can understand numbers in your head and can follow me, you probably don't need it, uh, but I'd recommend doing it. So the place to download that report is sellmybusinessin10weeks.com with a one zero as the 10. sellmybusinessin10weeks.com. So we're there and we're going to look at that report if you've got it. Now we're going to start talking about what's involved in doing a basic valuation. So now we need to work out a profit, Clive. We need to work out a profit because there's two components. We need to work out what return, what profit is this business making? And we need to then multiply that by something to get a business valuation. So Clive, for the layperson, explain it in a way that they would understand because I'm a bit biased here. I, I see things a bit differently. How do you explain to your business coaching what is a profit? What are the components okay, of profit? Okay, so let's take it very simply. You know, the example we've got is a, an engineering business. And um, in, in uh, running the business, you make some sales. To make those sales, there's usually some cost in making that sale. So the materials, the labor involved in actually creating that sale. So that would, you, know, you take that out, that would leave you a gross profit. And then, of course, you've got all the overheads like your rent and uh, everything else that goes into the uh, keeping the doors open, and that leaves you your net profit. So that's very simple. I think most people would understand that. Hopefully, if and I, I do know that that's not totally clear to a lot of people, but that would be the easy way of calculating your profit. Okay, so profit is not your revenue. That's the first point to make. Mm-hmm. There, still, a lot of people think that their profit is their revenue. Um, and there's two level of levels of costs within your profit. There's direct costs. So if, a good example there is if you're a retailer, the cost of your stock is a direct cost or a cost of goods sold. Um, I call them variable costs as well. They yep. go up and down with the sales. Exactly, so a fair chunk of them are gonna be variable. And once you've got your revenue, less your direct costs, or your cost of goods sold, whatever you're gonna call them, then you have your gross profit. And that gross profit then needs to cover your overheads which are everything from, you know. Telephones, insurances. Bank charges, depreciations, yeah. interest costs. Motor vehicles. Take all that kind of stuff out and that gets you net profit. So on the face of it, you would think that that is the return to to you and to a potential investor. But the, the problem with net profit is it's not, it's not real. Okay, so what I mean by not real is there's stuff in there that we do for, um, to be accounting, you know, so counting stuff in there that we would call book entries, we do because we need the balance, need to balance the books, and there's more to the books than just a profit and loss statement. So there's there's other things we need to take into account. You don't need to worry about that what those are, but enough to say there's some artificial stuff in there, and there's probably some stuff in there we've we've used to save tax. So um, Clive, how would you explain that to the average person? Well, we we're always going to look at um, reducing our tax, so uh, we take. The, uh, the rules and put them in our favour and we, we put them back in, into the business. The benefits that we're getting out of the business that uh, any potential investor is not really uh, interested in, in paying us for. So um, 
Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, so yeah. I guess there's some legitimate things. So we're not talking about dodging the tax office because um, we're not, never would we advise not pay a fair share of taxes. Minimise them where you can, of course, but always got to pay a fair share. We're talking about things that you can put through for tax reasons to accelerate some ad- some deductions or, or claim a proportion of private expenses. But those expenses aren't real. Now, this is the problem with just taking the financials as given. This is a problem with just going to someone that doesn't understand business valuation theory they're, and they're starting to apply multipliers straight to your revenue or straight to your net profit. Um, so, you know, you need to adjust the profit. So what we need to do is we need to make some adjustments. Okay, so the first thing that I do when I'm doing evaluation, I look at the net profit, obviously. I'm looking at the revenue, I'm looking at the cost of goods sold, I'm looking at the overheads, just to see if I can pick out some things to me that don't look right. So for example, if it's a type of business that doesn't use a car traditionally, so it's not a type of business that has salespeople driving around. It's a shop. It's a shop and it doesn't have home deliveries and there's no sales force involved. And I see $30,000 under motor vehicle expenses. Which the tax office says legitimately you're allowed to claim because you're using it to run yeah. the business. Yeah, but I'm looking at from a core profit point of view. Does that does that business really need a vehicle? If you know, I'm looking for mandatory stuff. If a, because we're always looking from the buyer's point of view. If a buyer comes in, does he have to spend thirty grand on motor vehicles to make that same level of revenue and profits? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't come into account. So we need to do some adjustments. So the real art, and I guess the real science before the art in a business valuation is to find out what those adjustments are. So we're going through the expenses and we're picking things out. Now, in this in this um, scenario we've got here, that we've downloaded from sellmybusinessin10weeks.com, it's going to, you're gonna see some, some columns there. The first column is our original scenario. Now what I'm saying here is it's an, it's an engineering business and they've turned over $4 million. Now to follow through the numbers, they've got cost of goods sold or direct expenses of 40%. So this business, it would be raw materials. They spent $1.6 million in raw materials to, to do the work of $4 million. So they've ended up with a gross profit of $2.4 million before expenses. But then we've got to pay for overheads, we've got to pay for our bank fees and our computer expenses and cars and all that kind of stuff. And there's $2 million worth of that stuff. So the net profit comes down to $4 million, $400,000, sorry. So it's a gross profit of $2.4 million. Take off your, 200, your $2 million. Making a lot of mistakes here, Cloth. And net profit four hundred thousand dollars. So to the uneducated eye, that business is returning four hundred thousand dollars per year. But when we started to look at the expenses, I've picked out that there's some wages in there to the owners. So the thing about wages to owners, again, it's a massive tax thing where, for tax reasons, we're allowed to put certain things through the books. But that that's not always reality. It's very rarely the reality of the situation. In this case, we've picked out that there's fifty thousand dollars of wages to to the owner. We're going to basically add them back. So what does that mean, Clive? Well, why would you add them back, Trevor? Okay, so adding them back means they're in there as an expense and have therefore reduced the profit because they're in there in the expenses. In that overheads column, in that $2 million, there's $50,000 of wages. That $50,000 at this point is not real because it's only to the owners. So I'm adding that back on. So before we did anything else, that profit would be 450000 So if somebody, somebody was taking over the business, wouldn't they want the wages? Yeah, so what would happen is that we'd have to calculate what the effective um, commercial value of those wages. So we're, we're making the assumption that with a person coming and buying it, doesn't necessarily have to do any work to earn their profit. They can employ someone at a market rate to do what you do now. So if you have a look at um, um, further down there, so we'll get, I'll just go to the next line first, then we'll get to the, that bit. So 
add back private expenses. So we've also identified another fifty thousand dollars worth of private stuff. So it's like the car you were talking. Could have been about cars. Or... Could have been entertainment. Yeah. Could have been stuff that we made the decision that we didn't think the new buyer would have to spend that stuff if they didn't want to to get that same level of profitability. So all up, there's a hundred thousand dollars there. Then we come to another line. Where we're actually going to take something off the profit, and we're going to take off the value of owner's contributions. So before we added so back, we added back the $50,000 that they actually took from the business and showed us wages. And we're factoring in what we would have to actually replace that person with, with if we weren't going to have the owners run the business. Now, it's important that we have to value these things based on what we'd pay someone else because we do not want to buy a job. Okay, so if we're going to buy a business, you and I, Clive, that's going to take $200,000 of our labor, we're going to make sure we get that as an employee and we're going to measure all the return based on any profit after that wages, those wages, because we could probably earn that from someone else. We're not going to yep. buy ourselves a job. We can, sure. You just walk into a job and start getting paid. Excellent. Yep. So we've identified there's $200,000 in labor required that the owners are currently doing now at market rates where we'd have to pay someone else. So what, that, what happens there is that then you add all those things together and, and take off the deduction and you've got a $100,000 negative adjustment to the profit. So we started with a $400,000 profit and we've said, well, 100,000 of that needs to be adjusted out. So the reality of it is 300,000. Now, when I'm doing a proper valuation, there might be potentially 20 adjustments. So I've just done some basic ones yep. here. Yep. We're scaring through and I guess it's the kind of, depends on the kind of level of valuation you're getting. If you want a free valuation done by, by a broker or I do some free ones as well, you're not gonna get the deep, meaningful level where you're gonna go look at every transaction. It, um, we'd call that more due diligence, but we'd pick out the basic stuff that you could see on the face of it. So let's assume we've just done a basic one. We've got 300,000 to work with, but that's only part of the story. So we call that, Clive, the future maintainable earnings. Okay, yep. Another way of looking at it. So what we're trying to say, on average, every year between now and infinity, this business is probably gonna make about $300,000. It's, it's a fairly rigid way of doing it, but it's a way that's easy to do. Without and making any changes. Without making any changes, yeah. without actually doing a profit and loss between, for every year between now and infinity. We're just making an assumption that this is yeah. a maintainable earnings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, you could, spend, you could spend weeks, months, and years valuing your business to the nth degree based on valuation theory. Um, and for most people, that's, at the end of the day, you know, once you understand the basics, it's not going to change much. So we're making the assumption here that that's a fairly maintainable level of profit. $300,000. So in theory, Clive, you could come and buy this business um, and you could expect that this business is gonna generate for you $300,000 after any personal exertion you've been paid for year on year. Yep. Okay. So as an investor, Clive, what, what are you likely to pay for that? And what's your thought process? So, yeah, so I'm, I'm just moving down to the next line there, Trevor, where, where I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so, I, I want to get three hundred. I'm, I'm expecting to get three hundred thousand dollars out of the business each year. So, how much am I prepared to put into that to uh, to know that I'm getting a, an acceptable rate of return without my labour input? This is you know what my money's effectively doing for me. Okay. Yeah. So, as an investor, I would be looking at a, a whole range of different things to uh, determine how quickly did I want my money back. Okay. So how would you, what would your thought process be? And I'd like to bring things back to basics. Let's call it, if you're investing in a term deposit. Mm-hmm. So the bank's going to offer you a rate of return. Yep. Um, in return for that, you've got to give them some principal. Mm-hmm. 
It's no different to what we're doing now. So if this was an example of the banks offering you and saying, I'm going to give you Mm $300,000 each and every year uh, for as long as you want this term deposit, Clive, which is what the assumption we've made with the business. We assume it's going to make $300,000 between now and infinity. We know that's not right, but it's an assumption that we make. And let's say that you wanted, say, 10% rate of return for this term deposit to Mm -hmm. to keep the... numbers easy so the bank's yeah. going to give you three hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. each year as well as one year give you your capital back so a 10 percent return and they and you want that to be a 10 percent return mm-hmm. so what are you going to pay the bank for the right to get that three hundred thousand so dollars pay 10 times that exactly so yeah, you're going to three million you're going to cut a check for the bank and give them three million dollars and they'll give me 10 percent. and they're going to give you three hundred thousand dollars yeah each and every year and give you a capital back as well 10 years later i can get my three mil back yeah or any anywhere anywhere along the path mm-hmm. you might do it one year in you've got three hundred thousand dollars plus your three mil yeah so you've got 3.3 million dollars back of which three hundred thousand is your return mm-hmm. you've invested three million dollars that's your 10 percent. so that's nice and easy now why wouldn't we value a business like that why wouldn't we value a business on 10 percent clients Fair risk risk element, yeah. We'd uh, we'd want to know. We'd want to be guaranteed. Was bank would be guaranteeing us pretty much that that rate um, on a on a term deposit. Whereas the uh, the business, we don't know. We have to um, have a cope with a, a wide range of risks to yeah, so uh, ensure when, that we get the return. When the bank says, "I'm going to give you this money," it's fairly, you know. If it was risk-free, it'd be around about four or five percent. So there are yeah. some risks, but yeah. you know, depending which bank you're going with, um, you know, if you're if you're borrowing from a, a, a Nigerian bank, obviously you're going to want a bit more than ten percent. Um, even a European European <laughs> bank at the moment, you're probably going to want about fifteen percent. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> uh, wouldn't be advising anyone to be lending money to Greece at the moment, but anyway. But that, that's the kind of conversation. That's, this is actually a relevant conversation. You're looking at is this bank going to give me back my money? Now, one of the big four, you might actually go with a lower rate of return. Which means you might have to give them a bit more money to get you three hundred thousand, and you're willing to give them give them a bit more money, because say it was an eight percent return, you'd be giving them a bit more than ten times, mm-hmm. because the risk is lower. Now, when we get to to um, looking at risks of businesses, we're looking when I do valuations, I've done valuations anywhere from um, a ten percent required red return, just like the example there, which is very rare, and it has to be almost guaranteed income coming in. Uh, up to, I've done ones with 100% required rate of return. Mm-hmm. So for example, in this one, if this business was that risky that we wanted 100% rate of return. I want the money back in the first year. I want the money back in the first year. What are you going to pay for that $300,000? You're going to pay $300,000. Yeah. So the poor business owner um, is only going to get $300,000 for his business that's turning over $300,000. The business buyer is going to get his capital back in the first year, effectively. He's getting 100% return back each and every year. And this is the thing that we're still assuming is going to go to infinity. Man, he's, he's obviously going to have some risk uh, or perceive some risk to be wanting that much back. And, you know, the buyer or the seller is going to be, have to be in a such dire straits to accept that offer, Exactly. to be honest. So you're often going somewhere in the middle. So this business here, we're just going to show you... Or, if, or there is potentially some real risk. Of course. There's, and there's, there, there is always risk. There is always risk. And different industries, like a restaurant, for example, very risky because not many make money. Often they'll want 100% return, the buyers and those mm-hmm. things. But an engineering firm, different because you want to forward orders and uh, existing contracts in place. So this example here, we're making the assumption that they want a 33% rate of return. So what that means effectively is the the, the owner or the new owner will pay $900,000 to get the 300000 each and every year, which gives them a 33% return. 
Another way of looking at that, if you turn 33% upside down for anyone that knows um, basic maths, you're multiplying your basically by three. Turn 33% upside down gives you a number three. Multiply 300,000 by Wait, three. Sorry, upside down, what you're talking about there is if you say three times 300 is 900. So yeah. if you had a fraction, you had one on three is 33%. Yeah. If you turn that upside down, three on one, which is three, when people talk about multipliers, it's the same thing as rate of returns. It's just upside down. Mm-hmm. So capitalization rates, multipliers, rates return, all the same thing. It's going to understand what, what we mean uh, in the context we're talking so about. So effectively what you're saying there, Trevor, is uh, where, where people talk about this, you know, two and a half times multipliers or whatever the num- magic number might be, where they get that number from is from the expe- expected rate of return of that in- yeah. initial investment. The, yeah, the, re- yep. the required rate of return to compensate for the risk. Even if they don't know that's what they're talking about when they say capitalization rate, that's, that's when what they want their money back. That's what they're talking about. So if a yep. broker says the cap rate in this in this industry is four, you can now go back and say, say the required rate of return is twenty five percent. He's going to say probably. No, the cap rate's full. <laughs> so just bear in mind, you've, you've suddenly got some inside information that you're going to be bamboozled some people out there. And this is what we talk about when we say this. This is not like selling a house. You know, you have to understand these basic fundamentals. You do not want to get bamboozled about capitalization rates. And obviously, um, two businesses should not share the same capitalization rates because they're in the same industry. Because mm-hmm. the risks are different business by business. Now, scenario two, we're quickly going to go to this. We're not going to get to scenario three today. Uh, we'll do that in the next podcast. Scenario two is just to show the, the profits are exactly the same, but this buyer's identified, they only require 20% return to compensate them for that risk. For some, for, for some reason- So they're, they're prepared to wait five years to get the, the return. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're prepared to pay more for that $300,000 each and every year. So what that means, Clive, so we might have found a way in that meantime to reduce some perceived risks in the business. So that could be, and we'll talk about this at great depth great depth at a few a few future podcasts, but then maybe we implemented a basic system around some component of the business. We picked one system, and maybe it was our lead generation process. Previously, we hadn't kept any records of phone calls coming in, and now we create a system, even if it was a spreadsheet, to record where the inquiries are coming from, and then conv- uh, recording which ones converted and which ones didn't. That thing alone potentially gave the buyer some confidence. They then thought, well, I don't need 33% return anymore, 20% enough, is enough for me to compensate me for that perceived lower level of risk. Um, They'll therefore pay $1.5 million, receiving the $300,000 in perpetuity every year, which is a 20% rate of return. So all we have done is reduce the risk slightly from the perception of the buyer, and we have multiplied the business from $900,000 to $1.5 million. And this is the thing that makes Clive and I so passionate. And that's, that's, that's what I spend a lot of the time when I'm coaching people on is, is actually reducing their risk, is actually structuring their business to be better presented to anybody that wants to own it, whether you want to carry on owning it yourself or you want to sell it to but someone But we else. have found $600,000 in value because we've potentially changed one thing. We have not changed the profit. That's the key thing. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine if at the same time you're doing things to, enchain, to change profit. You're improving your revenue, you're reducing your costs, and therefore improving your profitability, and at the same time reducing your risks. This is what we talk about with getting your business ready for sale. Yep. When the experts talk about what is your process, what is your pitch, we talk about what is this 10-week process where we can identify these 10 key components to improve the profitability and reduce that perception of risk. That's all we're talking about, break it down, make it simple. Now we talked about some bonuses. 
by joining our subscription list, uh, we're giving you, obviously at no cost, this is a free podcast. If you ever want a refund, just send us an email. Quite happy to oblige. Clive Clive will be paying for that. (laughs) Um, Business coaches are tight asses. The only thing you get them pay for is something for free. Um, I'm going to give away a business valuation report. What that means, just quickly, is you subscribe to the list, you'll get this seven or eight page report. I can't remember what we're up to at the moment. You will get a valuation that I've done for someone else and I'll change the name. You can see my process, you can see my methodologies, you can see my assumptions, and you can see how I articulate that value. And that's the kind of document that would be used in a pitch um, to get finance or a pitch to a potential buyer. So you're gonna get that for free just being on the list. And what I'm gonna do is actually uh share with you my nine clues to turbocharging your business systems, uh, which effectively is helping you dramatically reduce the risk. So this is where you can get some real value added into your business. So that's a, uh, a report which will highlight a wide range of things that you need to consider when you put in proper systems into your business. Okay, so of the, of the next few podcasts, we're going to continue to talk about what, are, what is the 10-week process you, sh- you should be putting in place? We're going to talk about how to make your business make more profit with some simple strategies there, all stuff that you can start implementing in 10 weeks. And we're going to talk about how to reduce the risks. And we're going to go through scenario three in that worked example there showing you how to use financial arbitrage to take that same business valuation from 1.5 million to 6.5 just by finding, finding a strategic buyer. And we'll explain what that's all so, about. So jargon there Trevor I think let's 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 keep the listeners uh, hanging on this one and explain what arbitrage really means next time yeah so just all you need to know now we're going to find a way that does not take any expertise or deep knowledge about valuations to massively improve the valuation by finding a particular type of buyer and having a particular type of conversation with them that's all in a nutshell so we'll, we'll go through that in great depth if you jump on the newsletter list again you'll get those three reports, you'll get um, notified every time the new podcast comes out and we'll have some special subscriber-only bonuses that we'll be releasing from time to time that only you can get if you're on our list. Um, at the same time, jump on our Facebook page um, and please leave any comments on, on the post here on sellmybusinessin10weeks.com with a 10. sellmybusinessin10weeks.com, that's where you can leave all your comments. We will answer every email and we will reply to every comment that replies that requires a, a reply, so we will do that. Um, at the end of the day, we're here to make sure that we're demystifying all the rubbish that's out there in the marketplace, peddled by people that don't know what they're talking about. We don't profess to know everything, and we're quite open to debate things. Uh, we're quite open to um, take on specific angles or specific questions. Happy to be proven wrong as long as people are coming with, you know, with an angle of trying to get to the truth or get, you know, uncovered genuine interest. Genuine interest, not yeah. just knocking us because they disagree with what we're saying. That's fine. You can disagree, but don't, don't misunderstand. Um, and, you know, please engage with us. And I think I'll give you the last word, Clive. Actually, I think um, the more you engage, the more you're going to get out of it. So, uh, you know, I encourage you to really get involved in these uh, podcasts. All the best, everyone, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast. And just remember the advice is only general in nature. 
But if you are serious about selling your business, you should check out the resources page of our website where we've got videos and templates to create an awesome pitch document for your business, which you will need if you're selling. And don't forget to subscribe on our website for advanced notification and bonus materials.